On behalf of Leinberg Information Services, this is Bob Keebler. Today we'll be discussing Bracket Management Planning, Part 1. Today we have a five-dimensional tax system, the regular tax, the AMT, the 3.8% surtax, the super taxes when your income goes over $450,000 for a married couple, and the reduction of your exemptions and itemized deductions, commonly known as PEP and P's. The thesis of today's talk will be flying below the radar, working with your clients to keep them income below the thresholds we discussed. We'll talk about a bracket management planning checklist, and we'll look at income smoothing strategies. There will be two more parts following this. Now, today we have to look at the time frame. Basically, from 1980 through 2002, most of the tax planning that we engaged in was looked at over a three- to five-year horizon. Then we went through a time of irresolution from 2010 to 2012 where it was very difficult to plan over a longer period of time. Today, as we move forward, we need to look at things over a 5 to 15-year time horizon. That necessitates a quantum leap in our thinking. It requires new software tools, which we're working on. It requires us to really walk around a problem from all five dimensions. I challenge you in the next 60 days, every time a client asks you a question, to create a mental checklist of answering it through the regular tax system, the AMT system, the 3.8% surtax, these super taxes, and the PEP and P's. Suddenly you'll see why this necessitates such a quantum leap in thinking. And complexity is not linear. It's exponential. Uh, your knowledge doesn't have to just increase five times. It's how all these pieces fit together. It's this massive chess game we're playing now of how to minimize a client's taxes because every time something happens, you're going to have an implication for each of these separate taxes. Now, in this five-dimensional system, we have our regular income taxes. Then we have the alternative minimum tax, which can still be at a very high rate at a relatively low-level income when you phase out. The biggest thing with the AMT is when you have large capital gains, you're going to phase out of your AMT exemption relatively quickly. Uh, then a lot of time is being spent on the PEP and P's limitations, and there's a flow chart on my website on this, um, but under PEP and P's, you begin to lose your exemptions. Okay, So you're going to lose your exemptions when your income goes over a $300,000 threshold for married couples. The Medicare taxes, the new 3.8% tax on net investment income, is going to be something we need to work with very carefully. Uh, this is going to impact the thinking of a lot of investment advisors. Once we truly understand this, we're going to realize that we're at a 43.4% rate for many clients, and it even gets worse when you throw in the state income taxes. Uh, so a lot of clients will be, for example, in many of the northeastern states and in California, you'll be well over a 50% rate. Okay, So that is going to change how wealthy families look at their investment portfolios. Maybe they will abandon some of their bond investments in favor of preferred stocks that receive better dividend treatment or perhaps in favor of using life insurance to replace some of that. Now, there's a super tax that begins when my income exceeds 39.6%, or when my income exceeds 450000 we get into the 39.6% bracket. So basically what we have is ordinary income is now taxed at 396 when it's wage income, but 434 when it's going to be investment income, including short-term capital gains. The maximum rate for long-term capital gains is 20%, but you have to add to that the 3.8% surtax. Now, ordinary rates. We have seven different tax brackets in the United States today. So there are seven different tax brackets on ordinary income, ranging from 10% all the way up to 39.6%. Now, 
so there's a 10, 15, 25, 28, 33, and 35% bracket. When your income for a married couple goes over 450, and or for a single person it goes over 400, then you're in the 39.6% rate. But that's not the entire story. For a trust or an estate, that cutoff is $11,950. Amounts of income above these thresholds will be taxed at 39.6, and then you have the 3.8% NIT, net investment income tax, on top of that. Even long-term capital gains are now more complex. We have three separate long-term capital gains rates. The 0% rate if you're in the 15%, 10 or 15% bracket, then a 15% rate for most taxpayers, but once your income goes over 400 for a single person or 450 for a married person, you get into the super bonus rate of 20%. Now, this creates a real opportunity because a lot of clients will have spikes in income and they're going to come to you and they're going to say, what do I do? And you're going to talk to them about income smoothing opportunities, whether that's reducing income by spreading it out, whether that's using oil and gas or large pension plans. Um, we're going to have to become much more astute at tax planning to smooth out income. And that's going to be one of the biggest goals we have in the next 24 months is refining those techniques. Uh, we just did a project for the AICPA on the best 25 tax planning ideas. And what really came through on that is a tremendous emphasis on smoothing techniques, on techniques to reduce the 3.8% surtax. We've worked with the regular tax and AMT for a long time, so we kind of know what to do there. Uh, but we're learning very quickly with the super bonus taxes at you know, 20% capital gains rate and the NIT, the 3.8% surtax. Now, there's also something in Congress which has not passed yet called the Buffett Rule. Under the Buffett Rule, if the Democrats were to be able to get this somehow through the House, income over a million dollars would be taxed a flat 30%. You'd basically lose the benefit of your long-term capital gain rate and your qualified dividend rate. Now, very important for us to understand, beginning January 1st, 2013, a new 3.8% Medicare tax is going to apply on net investment income. And there's also a new 0.9% Medicare tax on earned income. Now, so basically, this raises the marginal rates. It's it will change. There will be a renaissance in the use of charitable trusts, and there will be a renaissance in the use of life insurance as tax shelters. So how does this new tax work? Basically, and I have a lot on my website on this, um, basically the NIT is equal to 3.8% times the lesser of net investment income or the excess of modified adjusted gross income over what is called a threshold amount. Now, the threshold amounts, 250 for a married couple, 200 for a single person, $11,950 for an estate or trust. There is going to have to be a major paradigm shift in our fiduciary income tax planning for estates and trusts because these rates have jumped so much, okay? So with the rates going from basically 35 to 43.4 and perhaps children or grandchildren being in much lower rates, there's going to be an emphasis on shifting wealth out of trusts to individuals. Now, I'm not talking about principal. I'm talking about annual income. Or if you can't do that, there'll be an emphasis on what tax shelters can we avail ourselves of inside a trust, whether it's using master limited partnerships, whether it's using oil and gas, whether it's using real estate, tax exempt bonds, life insurance. The thinking will change. For example, I represent this lady who is 72 years old. Her husband just died. They're worth about $10 million. We're going to put about $3.5 million in the bypass trust. And we'll probably put half of that into a life insurance contract. Now, I, I'm not licensed to sell insurance, so that's not my game, but the insurance agents will tell us, the insurance advisors will look at that and they'll say, 
she'll get a 4 to 5% after-tax return between the day she invests in that till the day she dies, which is really about the best she could hope for in the bond market over a 20-year period of time. But this return will be tax-free, and along the way, of course, there's no income tax. With an estate and trust, again, keep in mind the basic rule, the cutoff is $11,950, but if you pay dollars out of an estate or trust, that will carry D&I out to the young to the beneficiaries okay, or of the estate or the trust, reducing the exposure to the NIT and to the super taxes at the trust level. Now, what is net investment income? Basically, that includes interest, taxable interest, taxable dividends and qualified dividends, taxable annuity distributions, rents, less depreciation, royalties, less depletion, income derived from passive activities. So if you were a 20% owner of a car dealership, but you didn't work there, you were passive, that income would be subject to the 3.8% net investment income tax. On the other hand, if you were active and you went to work there every day and you met the tests under the 469 regulations, um, then you're going to be, you'll be looked at as an active participant and you will not be subject to this. Now, the net investment income tax also applies to capital gains. So the net investment income tax also applies to capital gains. The gross net investment income um, test does not include salaries, wages, or bonuses, distributions from IRAs or Roth IRAs, any income taken into account for self-employment purposes, the gain on the sale of an active interest in a partnership or S corporation. So those things are all excluded. Again, the thresholds for the net investment income tax, 200 for a single person, 250 married, and $11,950 for estates and trusts. Now, the 200 and the 250, those thresholds are not inflation protected, okay? They are not inflation protected. The $11,950 exemption for an estate or trust is inflation protected. So every year, you'd expect that to go up by roughly um, two or $300. Okay, now, modified adjusted gross income, uh, basically that is a statutory term under 1411 of the code. And that equals the gross income offline 37 year return plus the net foreign earned income exclusion. So that's where we are. Um, that's basically how you compute that. There are also some adjustments when you have foreign income from CFCs and uh, QEFs. Uh, but I'm not going to go too deep into that today. Now, we also have to work with our PEP and P's adjustments. One of the things that happened as part of this law is that when income for a single person goes over 250000 or for a married person goes over 300000 you start to lose your exemptions and your itemized deductions. What this does, it has a very negative impact on your effective tax rate. So it, it drives up your effective tax rate. Now, Democratic's caucus would like to make this even more rigorous. For example, the president has a, a proposal to reduce the value of charitable deductions just to 28%. So you wouldn't be able, if you're in 39.6% bracket, you would not get a 39.6% benefit, but only a 28% benefit. Now, what happens with the personal exemptions is basically those will phase out um, by 2% for every $2,500 of income above these threshold amounts for a single person or $1,250 of income for a married person. There is also the P's limitation. P's are a little bit more difficult to, to, get in your, uh, to get your arms around, but P's basically reduces your itemized deductions by 3% of AGI above the threshold amount for a maximum of 80%. Uh, certain deductions are not included in the P's limitation. They're not cut back. Investment interest, medical expenses, 
casualty theft and wagering losses. So we've covered a lot. Now, uh, the effective tax rates, when you integrate PEP and P's, the salary rate jumps from 39.6 to about 41.7. The investment rate jumps from about 39.6 plus the, the 3.4, um, and you're going to see that jump up to about 44.58%. Capital gains rates will also jump to about 25.98% on individual returns, and the same thing will happen to dividends. So there, there's a lot we've covered. Um, we're going to be back in a moment with another podcast covering some of the more advanced techniques. Thank you for joining us today.